to the Her Influence podcast. My name is Vanessa Hoyes and I'm coming to you from Montreal, Quebec. I have an incredible co-host in Kathy Ostepchak, lead catalyst for Gather Movement. She's based in Ontario. And then Caitlin Kay over in the prairies. The three of us host this podcast weekly, sometimes twice a week. And we've been diving into some very true conversations. We host a Zoom room a few times a week in this current reality. And we're looking at strategies for the life that feels interrupted right now. You're going to love this conversation on our podcast today as we dive into a conversation with Joanna LaFleur, loved across our nation, leader across our nation in and of her own right. And she is single in her 30s and wanted to dive into the revelation of what is true in our singleness. The conversation is real, it's authentic, it's honest, it's fun. There were so many people in that Zoom room that it really spoke to and we could not wait to get this episode into your hands. All things true about singleness and really how that impacts our womanhood, how that's being impacted right now in this current reality. She is wise, she is funny, she is strong. She's a very clear voice and I don't think we have this conversation enough. So you're going to love the podcast, share it with anyone in your world that this could really minister to. And why we are on all things true, while we are on all things true, I am so excited for the countdown to our true conference online. Girls, we are diving into the details, diving into the pre and post sessions and all the fun things that we're going to do. There is something powerful about this gathering of voices online, but really presence online, but then all across our nation, we just envision the women in their Friday and Saturday, this conference, just walking the soil of our land and praying and playing and um, even taking breaks together, getting to know one another. And there is something God is at work doing in our nation. And the voices of His girls is crucial to this current reality and the future of kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven for Canada. So would you join us for everything that is online and we understand so much is online in your life right now. Would you consider though taking one more step, leaning into what is Canadian, leaning into what is gonna be a prophetic sound across our nation, leaning in with girls all across our nation and really making sure you know what is true for you, true for life, true of God's voice, true for our nation, and true for your womanhood. So we are so excited. May 22nd and 23rd, you actually get the chance to either uh, just watch it in the comfort of your own home, PJs, or dress up, or um, go out, or listen um, in your headphones, or grab some girls and even have a collective Zoom together as you're listening. And we just know it's going to be an incredible weekend, but you can also purchase the registration not only from Friday through till the Monday, but you can purchase a whole year access so you could show it to other women or really just have it access for you and your life over the course of this next year. So go ahead and register over at uh, Gather 
womenwomen.com and we'd love to make sure that you are part of this story unfolding in this movement across our nation. We love you. We're going to now dive into all things singleness in this current reality, strategies for our life that could feel interrupted. I believe it's going to bless you. We love you. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence Podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3, Horizon College and Seminary, a center of learning dedicated to prepare leaders for Christian life and ministry, located in Saskatoon. Horizon is launching two amazing initiatives in fall of 2020, a Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership, a program that equips both seasoned and aspiring leaders by combining theological studies, leadership training, and hands-on learning. And in partnership with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Joanna turned up where I was in a room and just came and introduced herself and immediately I felt like she is a friend to leaders. She's a safe, a safe person and a safe place. And now in the last five years, just getting to know Joanna, I know she's a friend to leaders, male and female. And I actually wanted to really highlight that tonight because I think um, what she's going to bring is a woman that's worked through um, this season of her life with so much health, so much dignity, so much strength. And I watch her in rooms with men and women and I just think she's got so much to offer that she's probably dived deep and navigated along the way being a woman in leadership and um, and just working with men and women all across this nation. So more formally, she is um, a speaker and a podcaster, just made a huge transition, just a courageous transition even last year and I've watched that unfold for her too. She's all over the whole communications. In fact, you've got to check out a previous podcast and true conversation with Joanna around just this online world that we're all navigating. It was brilliant. And she's a communications consultant, so great expertise there. Um, business, theology degree, um, and then local church lover. I love that about her so much too. And um, and she, right now, I love, she said that I help um, churches and people just communicate the best news on the planet. And I loved when she taught us that the other day, loves creatives, has a great podcast, World Made Digital. Um, and then she's a Bible teacher. She's on national TV with See Here Love. And so many of you will know her, but some of you won't yet. And um, I believe her voice into this sphere and this arena. And as she said today, as she was promoting tonight, and she said today, like, this is not something she's talked about publicly, but probably has had lots and lots of conversations on. And so 
Joanna, you've traveled the world, 35 countries I read that you've traveled in all over the world. And I just want to speak over you as you actually speak this out. This is, um, this will be part of the voice God gives you to people, humans, not just women, humans all over the world. And I really, really do see that. And so tonight we just feel privileged as gathered to be having a conversation that I believe is just the beginning of the conversation, just the beginning of your voice over this and just the beginning of our journey to have the kind of conversation that is true that we're going to have tonight. So thank you for your yes. And I want to hand this platform over to you now. Oh gosh. (laughs) Thank you. That was um, very generous. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, as, as you said, this isn't a topic, I, I talk about this stuff a lot with, um, you know, with my, my friends or with any, I've probably talked with some of you about singleness, um, because it's part of my life and it's part of some of your lives or it's, it's part of the lives of your kids or however it is that we've come to talk about it. Um, but I don't typically talk about it in more of a formal setting, partly because part of the thing about being single is you don't want to be labeled as the person who's single or the person who becomes like, who wants to be an expert at being single? Like nobody. So, (laughs) so I don't normally talk about it, but it is really a privilege to talk about it tonight. Um, I'm going to share my screen with you. And what I learned from the last time is, uh, is that when I share my screen, I need to do it in a particular way so that you can see it. Can, can, can I get a thumb? You can see it. You can see it now. We're, we're in. Okay, great. Um, and if anybody wants these slides after, let's go for it. Um, I want to start right off the top by um, acknowledging that, as you can see in the bottom left, in 20, single life for Christians in 20 minutes or less. This is a huge topic. Um, and there's all and there's all kinds of there's all kinds of single people. So uh, we can't possibly in 20 minutes address all situations um, or the dynamics of that. So I'm going to do a high level overview with you. So acknowledging that for for you or for people you know, some are single who are younger, um, some who are single who are older. Single younger and single older not the same thing. Um, if you think about it, it makes sense. You know, a lot of people are single up to a certain age in their life and then they get married. Um, but then, uh, once you get into your thirties, your forties or fifties and onward, um, singleness is, is really quite a different kind of experience than, uh, there are things that are shared about it, but there are quite different experiences for the older single than uh, a 22-year-old single. It's a different kind of singleness. So um, I'm 34 and single, and I have been in relationships and not, but have never been married. I have been, uh, I have no children, and, I, and I'm uh, single. And um, then there's also, though, the single parents. So the single parent has a huge amount of responsibility, um, uh, even just in terms of social connection, like how can you engage in church life and social life in dating life as a single parent? It's a huge challenge for this group of men and women, um, single again, uh, widowed or divorced. So, you know, I find often like when we talk about these first groups, the younger and the older, um, I know this in my own life. And if you have experienced this, you, you would not in agreement. Um, when you're, when you're single before the age of 30, everyone says things to you like, 
you still have time. Don't worry. <laughs> and then after 30, the language starts to shift where people start to say stuff to you like, have you tried online dating? Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so there's this shift that happens culturally when you get older and continue to be single or become single again. Um, so there's fear in your 20s that you're going to be single forever. When you move into older singleness, there's there's loss that you deal with, especially for women. I will address it later, talking about some loss like to do with maybe if you wanted to have children, loss starts to be part of your life. Um, single parents, they're overwhelmed. And single again are probably grieving and feeling a loneliness because they remembered what the relationship uh, was like. Um, so especially for those who are not single, but I hope that this gives language to those who are single. Singles are not the junior varsity team. They're, they're playing an entirely different sport. Uh, what I mean by the, and by the way, I, I think there's a few comments coming up. I can't, I can't do the reading of the comments on this. So if there's something wrong, wave or something at me, but otherwise we'll, I'll go to the chat after. Singles are not the junior varsity team. It's an entirely different sport. Um, what this means is I think that in a lot of contexts, it feels like the senior, the senior varsity, that's maybe an American way to put it, but like this, like the, like the A-level team is the married people and soon you single folk are going to graduate into the <laughs> senior varsity team. You're a junior varsity now, but just you wait, your day's going to come and you're going to get bigger and stronger and more capable and join the, the, the team. Um, you're, this isn't like the, the grade nine basketball team versus the grade 12 basketball team in high school. Like literally this is like, we're talking about basketball and swimming class. These are different sports, the nature in which you live your life, um, how you spend your time, how you spend your, how you view money, how you view your relationships, your ability to be involved in all kinds of things. You, and, and I think in some ways, you know, really even your relationship with the Lord uh, is different. Um, and so I just encourage all of us to keep, um, and it's, it's not a, a, a quote I used to separate us, but a quote I used to help un us understand that it's not about graduating into marriage. Um, they are different lifestyles. Um, so um, <laughs> did you know that 45%, approximately 45% of adults today in our culture are single? Uh, like half of the people in the church who are sitting in a congregation on a Sunday morning, if this is true, if the stat is true, which census seems to say, half of the people in our congregation are single who are adults or who are like over 17 years old. Um, in church culture, uh, it certainly doesn't make, you aren't made to feel that way. <laughs> but uh, the good news is actually uh, that we're not alone. You're not a weirdo. Actually, you're very, very normal culturally. Um, and and what may I add? Actually, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, many, many people are single or single again. Um, and the other dynamic I want to point out as just a stat as we move through this that I think helps helps everyone, but even especially when with some of the things when we talk about some of the stuff that non-single people say to us, I don't think they understand. I think we feel this if we're single, but the ratio, especially for women, I'm speaking to women here. If it was a mixed audience, I'd, I'd speak a bit differently, but the ratio is at least two to one single women 
to single men in most churches. If you go to places like the United Kingdom, that ratio could go up to four to one, seven to one. So, you know, when, when people start to talk, when we start to talk about some of the things I, I, I think that people mean well by, but aren't super helpful, some of the stuff, um, I think people just don't understand the reality of the circumstance um, that we find ourselves in in our culture, wherein there's a lot of single people, but in the church context, um, uh, particularly in culture, there's a lot of men and women who are single, but particularly in church context you're going to find more single women than you are single men. And so that creates a number of weird dynamics to do with competition for men, to do with uh, whether it's spoken of or not. It has, it has some things to do with, um, uh, um, I, I think it's, I've heard a lot of women talk about men who are not, I hope you hear me with grace when I say this, who are not so special walking around like they're real special because um, there are just more women than men. So they get more attention from women in the church. So they can often feel like they're more special than they really are <laughs> because, uh, because they have actually more choice. It's, um, it's not true. Maybe in every single context, maybe you come from a context where the ratios are more equal. I'd love to know where those places are. There are cities that, that there are, like they talk about San Francisco, Silicon Valley with all the tech companies is apparently a great place to be a single woman um, because there are way more men than women. But for, for most church contexts, this seems to be the reality. Um, and it creates a weird dynamic all around. So with this sort of thing in mind, that half of adults are single and it's super normal, but then also in the church, um, <laughs> that the ratios are, are weird. Uh, and challenging for women, um, there ju just literally are not enough men for all the women to marry within the church context. So unhelpful sayings from people who are coupled. I won't spend longer than this slide on it. Um, if you're single, you've heard all these. And if you Google, I don't have time for them all. If you Google stuff single people wish you would stop saying to them, I did that today. And I found like, lists of these things. And I laughed and groaned my way through because I've heard well, pretty much every single one of these. Uh, but um, the, one of the ones we always hear is this keep this idea about working on yourself. Um, and then, the, you know, because he's going to come around the corner when you're not even looking for him. <laughs> um, except that may or may not actually happen. Um, and, and this idea of keep working on yourself, it can feel to the single person like um, there's something wrong with them. And if they could just fix it, they would find a partner. But the reality is most people who got married younger at like 21, 22, 23, whatever, under 30 years old, there were lots of things wrong with them too. And they were able to find a partner. So it's not just about, well, if you just work harder on yourself and fix all your issues, then a man will come or a partner will come. Um, of course, we need to be constantly, you know, working on, there are lots of things we should do to care for ourselves, to work on our past pains. I encourage, you know, professional therapy. We should all become more healthy and well-rounded as a person, of course. But it's not this thing that's the carrot dangling in front of us that somehow the reason we are single is that we have not fixed ourselves enough, but that, that person who, who got married when they were 22 obviously had it all together at 22 years old and was able to uh, 
you know, find a partner. Um, and then, you know, he'll come around the corner when you're not looking. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I guess it happens to some people. I don't know. Like, I mean, the truth is every single person is looking around every corner, every room they go into, they're browsing the room to find out who's in the room and who has the ring already on their finger. We do it. Uh, so I don't know what this looking around the wind, you're not looking, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it happens. Uh, you've got lots of time. <laughs> it's this thing, as I said, under 30 or over 30 singles, you know, I've had friends, it's, it hasn't been said to me, but I've had friends who talk about their longing for being a mother and they've been told things like, have you considered freezing your eggs? I mean, ultimately that's just a really personal question and like kind of offensive. Um, please don't say that to people. If it's like your best friend, maybe have that conversation. But if it's someone you you aren't like of deepest relationship with and you're talking about like medical procedures to their body uh, and like a, a procedure that costs tens of thousands of dollars, like just please don't, don't talk about and don't and like reminding them that they're getting old and there's like a timeline to their motherhood, painful, quite painful for some women. So how are you still single? <laughs> and then people offer lots of unsolicited advice, like, I don't know, try different clothes, get a new haircut. Um, you're kind of too fat is sort of a subtle undertone to some things that people say. People love to suggest online dating and think it's really fun because they've never tried it. But any of us who have tried it knows it's like pretty depressing <laughs> and works for some people, but is also like kind of depressing. <laughs> So, you know, it's not, it is a, a way to, to meet people. And I, I definitely think that it's something that people could try. Um, uh, it doesn't fix the problem though. Um, and you know, the classic, maybe you're being too picky and all these kind of things. There's lots of things that people say. Um, and ultimately I just think the, probably the, the general rule of anything in life is if people aren't asking for your advice, don't give it to them. That's probably a good idea in almost anything in life. <laughs> Um, but, you know, with our dearest friends, we can talk about these things and, and um, we, you know, what people want to hear is that you love them and that you invite them to things, even as a single person. Um, if you're having, I don't know, a thing that's for families, invite them. Um, I think of like friends of mine who do a gingerbread party at Christmas every year for families, and I'm invited every year. I never go. It's so nice, though, that I'm invited. I don't go because it's early on a Saturday. And the truth is, as a single person, I would actually rather sleep in. But it's so nice to be invited. Don't assume that the single person doesn't want to come. They may not want to come, but it really means a lot to just be included like you're a whole human being and you might want to join. <laughs> okay, let's move forward from here. So um, the thing I really want to focus on and when we talk about singleness, and this is for people who are advising singles, but also for people who are single, especially, um, what do we believe about God? And do we actually truly believe that God is good? The heart of singleness is a question of what we believe about God. So there's two things that I want to offer to you today. Uh, we need first, all of us, and this is where even some of the bad advice comes from that non-single people offer, because both single and non-single people um, around the issue of single, because we have a good theology, a better, not good, we have a better theology around marriage because it's talked about more in the church. 
Um, but we don't have a great theology around singleness, mainly because most of our teaching is done by people who aren't single in the Protestant church. And so we don't have a lot of context um, by which to teach it. And so we need a good theology of suffering. So when I say, what do we believe about God? The first thing we need to address is what do we actually think about suffering? So, uh, the, the topic becomes heavy real quick, but if you talk to single people or you are a single person, there is an element to it that is of suffering. And I think even if you're single, you can be quick to brush this aside and paint a, a, a nice picture of your life. Because here's the thing, I'm a single woman and I also like my life. Uh, I'm not crying every day about this. I'm not wallowing in being a single person. But the reality is this isn't the life I chose. Uh, this is a life that I have. And there is an element of suffering to being a single person if you desire to be a married person. And so we need a theology of suffering. The good news is that when we uh, have a theology of suffering as all, um, you know, we can look to some really good models. You know, what does Jesus say? In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. In this world, we will have pain. And the suffering that we have is different. All of us have suffering. I mean, talk about suffering. Like we're all going through a time of pain, grief, loss, struggle, Right now in this COVID-19, we all are in a time of suffering. And I, I would caution for all of us, right, to put our, to not try to um, say, well, that person's suffering more than me, so I can't talk about my own. We all have suffering and it's real. Um, you know, we may not be the persecuted church or something, but suffering is real in all of our lives. And we need to um, be able to have places to acknowledge the pain that we have and the, uh, the things that have not gone how we hoped. Um, and so it's this idea of trusting our life to the Lord, but that if the things in our life don't go the way we had hoped or planned, does our theology begin to crumble? Do we actually believe that God is good, even in times of suffering or even in a lifetime full of being uh, suffering in some areas of our life. Not all areas. If you ask a single person, not every area of their life is suffering. They're happy in many, many parts of their life. But this is a piece of, of their personal suffering. As you, single or not, have other pieces of your life that are full of pain and hardship and struggle, things that are uh, prayers un, unrealized. You know, Jesus, the man of sorrow, uh, acquainted with grief, uh, I'm so glad that Jesus knows suffering and we're in good company with all those apostles too. So um, we need a good theology of suffering and as single women and men, we also need honesty in our prayers. We sit in this tension where we want to make our desire known to God. And for some of us, we've stopped making our desires known to God because if he doesn't answer it, it's so painful that we can't bear it. And so a lot of people stop asking for something in their life, whether it's singleness or something else, um, because we're afraid that the answer might be not what we wanted. 
Um, but we we see, I love this idea. Uh, I mean, C.S. Lewis talks so much about about um, a prayer, and there's this idea with Aslan. I don't know if you know the story of uh, the Narnia series, but there's this moment where the children in the As in the story, Aslan is the lion who represents Jesus in the story, and um, the children in the story are wondering if they're going to have food to eat that night, and and they basically have this conversation about like. Um, you know, well, has anyone asked Aslan for it? And they're like, well, surely Aslan already knows what we need and he's prepared for the journey. And then someone says, yeah, he does know what we need, but he loves to be asked. So I encourage you to keep making the desires of your heart known. You know, Philippians 4, there's a text about this. And then the other text about this that I want to highlight for you is at Luke 18, there's this parable, God loves persistent, unmarried women. I love that this story exists because um, this is a woman, a, the persistent widow. It's basically the story of a woman who is not married. And in this culture, it would have been, she was basically destitute. She was on the outside of society going day after day after day to a bad leader, a bad king asking a bad judge asking for the thing that she needed and it says in the parable that even a bad king or a bad judge gets so tired of her asking that he finally relents and gives her the thing that she asked for and then jesus says in the story like how much more does your father in heaven the good king who loves you who wants his children to come with their requests how much more does he want to answer your prayers and so we need honesty in our prayers, uh, but we sit in the tension of feeling foolish about prayers that are unanswered. We feel afraid sometimes, all of us do, about those prayers, like what if they aren't answered the way we hoped, but also in the tension of the other side, which is he invites us to come and to pray. He invites us to share our hearts, desires, our longings, our pains, our fears, our sorrows, our struggles with him. So we need a theology of suffering and we need honesty in our prayers. The last thing I want to address um, because we just have such a short time together is, is a kingdom view of motherhood. I love this scripture out of Isaiah 54, sing and shout, even you have never had kids. The Lord has promised that you will have more children than someone who's been married for a long time. Isaiah 54, one. Um, some people are going to get married. And some of those people who get married even may not be able to have children. So whether we are married or, or not married, single or, or married, um, the reality of motherhood is I think something, and fatherhood for men, there's something paternal and maternal I think that's placed on the hearts of people, most people. Um, and it's a good desire. But I, I want to challenge your view of motherhood. I think it's um, it's really okay to and important actually to to name if you desire to be a mother and it hasn't happened for you um, and to grieve however long that needs to go. It might be a lifetime, um, but in a kingdom view of motherhood, uh, we see from from Genesis to Revelation, and we see in the the, the fatherhood of God for us as His adopted children that. Um, family is different for Christians and that motherhood doesn't just look like I biologically birthed a child from my own womb. 
Um, so I, I speak for myself when, when, uh, you know, I'm, uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> I watched the Free Willy movie. <laughs> Has anyone seen Free Willy? And ever since I was a kid and watched Free Willy, I learned about foster foster kids. And uh, for me, it's been a dream of my heart since I was a little girl to be a foster parent. Um, some people may have a dream of adoption. Um, and some people don't have either of those dreams. And that's okay. You don't have to. I think it is godly and good to consider other ways that children can be part of our life. Things like fostering and adoption might be obvious options. And, and for some, that feels way beyond their capacity as a single person. And I can totally appreciate that as I don't have children living in my house either. Um, but there are so many younger people in the world uh, who need mother figures in their life. There are children and young people in your church, um, in your neighborhood, in the school system, um, who need friendship, who need tutoring, who need guidance, who need love. You have friends with children who are certainly during this quarantine, they are desperate for someone to help parent their children for a few hours. <laughs> and of course, of course, I'm not comparing what a parent does day to day with what the role of a single woman can be in the life of a child. But I'm, I'm trying to encourage you um, to open your mind and pray that the Holy Spirit would guide you to what motherhood will look like in your life. Because those even who are mothers, eventually your kids leave home. And there are all kinds of other kids in the world who and young people uh, or just simply younger than you people who need a mother, who need wisdom and mentorship, support, encouragement, someone to take them to McDonald's play place and buy them chicken McNuggets, or someone uh, to counsel them through a breakup, someone to um, teach them how to cook something yummy, whatever it may be, whatever these mothering roles are that you would feel that you would fit with. I encourage you to grieve the thing that isn't, but also not sit so long in that, that we become self-focused on what isn't, and we aren't able actually to see what could be uh, a kingdom view of motherhood and the kinds of, of people that we could impact. I think part of this Isaiah text is talking about why actually a single woman or a woman who's never had children has the capacity actually to influence with her life generation after generation of people. And, and my prayer for my life with, you know, my nieces and nephews, with, you know, girls and women that I'm mentoring and, uh, you know, my prayer would be that, yeah, I would be um, a mother figure to many women in my life. So uh, we want to um, just end with what I started with is what do you believe about God, single women? And do you truly believe that God is good? the heart of the matter. What do we believe about God? And do we trust him, uh, whether he does or does not um, bring a marriage or maybe even <laughs> maybe a marriage and then that guy dies and we get married again. And that guy, you know, those scriptures about like, which, which uh, husband is she married to in heaven? And she had like five of them, you know, so some of us would have even multiple husbands in our life. Uh, but what do we believe about God? whether we are single or married, whether we are a biological mother um, or a spiritual mother to, to other people. I, um, I think that Jesus was 
a wonderful example of singleness. And I think sometimes that can be a cop-out, certainly if it's said by people who are not single when they say that to try and make you feel better. But I think as a single woman, I think I can say with authority that we should look to the life of Jesus for everything in our life um, and how to live. But certainly as single women, I think we can find something there for us. And he was the king that came in a way we didn't expect. And so perhaps our motherhood and our relationship to both genders will come in a way that we didn't expect or plan for, but are still so good. So just to end with, what do you want to talk about? There's lots of things we didn't talk about. Do you want to talk about dating? And do you want dating advice from me? I don't know if you want that. Do you want, uh, do you want to know how to ask a guy out? Do you, want to, uh, do you want to talk about church and how to engage in church? I know for a lot of women I've talked to even today about this topic, uh, it's a place of pain for you and you felt like an outsider. Maybe you want to talk about God. Maybe you don't want to do that publicly. Um, you know, some people are angry or, you know, have pain there. So I'm going to, I'm going to end and let's, I don't know. It looks like maybe there's some comments or questions. So I'll leave it to someone to moderate us and see what you want to talk about. That is awesome. Um, I can't, oh, there you are, Vanessa. I see you now. Um, I do have a couple questions. So um, are you okay, Vanessa, if we just jump into questions now, that'd be good. Okay. Uh, so I have one. Um, there's a couple comments that kind of come together, Joanna, but one of them is, um, one question is, do you think it's a matter that there aren't just enough guys or that they're, or that they may not be as mature as the girls? Um, and some other comments that have kind of come in is about, um, this idea that as Christian women were taught, you know, to seek like the, a God fearing man. Mm -hmm. And that that's the place to start. And so what do you do? Um, how do you navigate? How do you navigate through that? So that came through for, from a couple of, of ladies. So if yeah. You wanna... yeah. I, uh, I find in my dating experience, I am more, much more likely to be asked out by a non-Christian guy than a Christian guy, because there's a lot of weird baggage in church around dating. Um, and I find new Christians. So like baby Christian guys, <laughs> they don't know the rules yet about how they're not supposed to talk to girls and ask them out or something. So like, I find they're a little more bold <laughs> or like normal about it. Um, but I'm not really answering the question. I think, I think that there, there is a, some pattern to the difference between maturity in, in faith. I think sometimes I've had, you know, men in my own church community, you know, older men, my age, or, or especially even older men, especially older men who say, you know, Joanna, you're, you're great. You know, where's your man at or something, something along those lines. And I, and if I'm bold enough, I might say back, Oh, like, can you tell me the names of a couple of younger men, my age that you're discipling to be great husbands? And usually these guys say, uh, no. <laughs> like, well, that's probably why I haven't found a man then, because it's your job to disciple him. It's women and men's job to disciple. I don't think it has to be same gender, but there's some, I, I don't mean, I think a woman can disciple a man and a man can disciple a woman. I, I'm not trying to totally um, separate those, but there's something to that, isn't there, that I think... Um, uh, there's a truth to the reality that I think women, I think are maybe a bit more relational by nature. 
I'm making a broad generalization. I don't know if that's helpful, but I think women maybe seek out those mentoring relationships a little quicker than men. And um, therefore, I think men in our churches need more um, training and encouragement in how to disciple the men in the church to become great men. Um, and that it happens in some churches more than others. Um, but yeah, I think um, there's also some dynamics. I don't want to go too far down the road of the, the theology of it, about men as the head of the household. And, and in some theologies, women believe that the man is the spiritual head. Um, and so there's a lot of pressure on guys to be the spiritual head, but they may not be as spiritually mature. So there's a challenging dynamic there. Or if woman, a woman has leadership gifts and the man does not, um, the dynamic that that can play in a relationship is challenging. I'm not, I don't really have answers to this. I am acknowledging that it's a thing. Um, There's a couple comments. And I would encourage if you know men in your church, like men need to disciple, especially guys. It would be great for guys to be discipled by older guys about being good husbands Mm -hmm. and like some coaching on how to ask a girl on a date. (laughs) Um, So that's, that comment and, and working that out, uh, brought up a couple other, um, comments and questions around the same idea. Um, just about what is your view about a man, a woman asking a man out? Um, and then, um, what do you, what do you think dating could look like in this COVID time? So there's some, uh, mm. dating <laughs> questions there. Um, so a couple have asked if you could share some dating advice. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other questions still just about the church in general. So I don't want to, I don't want to skip, skip past hey, the first, that one okay, either. I'm trying to go back to the first question you just said was about, um, a woman asking oh, a man, a woman out. ask a man out. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, ladies, ask a man for coffee. It's totally okay. I mean, I will say this, this is my personal philosophy. If you always have to ask that guy and he never initiates back, he's not that into you. Move forward. But like, I think that, (laughs) I mean, if you've like asked the guy, if you've initiated like three times to get together and the guy like never shows any initiative, I think this is a really bad sign about where this is headed. But like (laughs) my general philosophy is, it's important to remember when I tell you my philosophies, I am also still single. So take them all with a grain of salt. But my general philosophy is I am for sure willing to express interest and ask a guy out. I will even tell you how I do it when I say, but then my hope is that if it goes well the first time that they would then say, Hey, this was great. Let's do it again. And now they have known from me because they're just as nervous and shy and the rules are just as confusing to them in like our culture about what you're allowed and not allowed to do and who's supposed to do what. It's as confusing to them as to us. And they're as insecure about being rejected as a girl is. So like, it's okay to say like, I'm interested. And I'll tell you exactly what I say. Usually it goes something like this. And usually I write it because even I don't have usually, I don't usually have courage to say it to his face. So usually I like have him on, you know, some form of messaging system. And I'll say something like, Hey, you seem like a compliment. And then like, you seem like a really amazing guy, or you seem like a great guy, or you seem, I don't know, insert nice thing. You seem like a great guy. And it seems like we have this and this in common. Name two things you think you have in common with this guy. Would you like to go out for a coffee? It'd be fun to get to know you. And that's usually what I say. I say something nice. 
I tell them a few things I notice we might have as a commonality. And then <laughs> I say, I use the words go out because I think it makes it less ambiguous. I'm asking you for coffee or do you want to go out for an ice cream or, you know, whatever the time of year is, a hot chocolate, whatever you like. Um, and then from there, if they, if it went, if they said, if they said, sure, and then we connected, we had the coffee or whatever, if they though, like never really sort of expressed that this went well and they wanted to go out again, I would begin to get nervous about, um, how interested they were in a romantic relationship because they weren't sort of expressing any initiative from their end. But yes, I, I've seen some, there's some women on this call who I've told this already. They already know that those are my lines that I say every time. You can ask a guy out. It's okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so that leads into, there's a few um, questions and comments around this next piece is how, um, how can the church do better in recognizing and honoring the women in the pews, particularly those that are single. And so a, a couple other threads were just um, attached to that one as well. So I just want to make sure we um, highlight all of them. Why do you think the church is not more warm and supportive um, when we are all children of God? And I think in that same, you know, thread of question, if we understood, um, how to honor in there. So then also anything that would be helpful in creating a welcoming atmosphere or to help yeah. single women feel included and to encourage them in the kingdom motherhood yeah, think, role you spoke of. So, yeah, I think that, you know, let's have lots of compassion and grace for one another. Um, we don't know what we don't know and we only know our own, we only know our own experience. And so we need to help people understand our perspective um, and we can do that with a lot of love and kindness. Um, most churches are led by men who were married very young because they were probably a great catch. <laughs> so they got, so uh, not all, I'm making it again, a generalization, but a lot of churches are, are led by a, a guy or a group of guys or men and women, but you know, they, they, their experience is not from being a single person and it's from a male perspective often. And so um, we don't need to be angry about that. We don't need to be, uh, we don't need to be always like trying to be offense or def offend defending or something. We can come in with hands open. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes it helps um, to, to try and have some conversation about that with whoever might be a trusted leader that you know in your church community. I think things like, I love when, if there's like a women's ministry, um, a lot of those ministries happen during the day in a lot of churches traditionally. And if you're a single woman or a single mom, you're working pretty much guaranteed during the day. So I really appreciate when women's ministries think about working women and often single women are working women um, and have things in evenings and weekends so that all women might be able to more likely participate and offer childcare and all those other things. But, but that, um, uh, you know, in my own church, the women's ministry is on a Wednesday morning. And so for 10 years, I've never once gone to the women's ministry because it's on Wednesday morning. Like I work every Wednesday during the morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just as an example, um, you know, and I think um, some leaders are, are more open to hearing uh, of experiences of other people 
or groups than others. But I think even if you can, you know, share an article or I just an article like someone um, sent me today was a, a relevant magazine article that just was published this week. And the title of it is something like why single women are leaving the church. And there's like a statistical phenomenon happening of single women because there aren't enough great single men for them. They be, their theology of suffering is not great. Um, things hadn't gone their way and they're hurt and they're struggling and they're lonely and they feel missed in the church and they leave. And so when we're talking about 45% of the congregation being single, um, I think it would benefit the church to um, have more information about that experience so that they can um, consider how to offer activities and programs that wouldn't just have to be like separating the singles from the married people, but that could could be including of, of all. And I think just in general, for churches and for friend groups, um, don't assume that your single friends don't want to come to a, a dinner with couples or an event with children. Um, they may not want to come, but don't decide for them, right? People love to be invited and included, and, and they may say no thank you, but it means a lot to be invited um, to the family event or to the couple's dinner. Um, not everyone would say yes, but it does mean a lot to be invited. Awesome. Um, the One of the last questions I think we'll have is um, the ladies would like to know if you would share some thoughts on navigating online dating as a Christian. <laughs> oh gosh it's it's not great guys <laughs> so here's here's my general theory on online dating I have theories on all these things because guess what I've had lots of years to think about it so generally I think online dating is something that people should try I encourage anyone to try I don't think it's weird I think 10 years ago it was creepy like people who did online dating were like really, really desperate. But I think the reality is for so much of our life now, we meet people online, even some of my most significant um, work relationships, or even, you know, now in this time, like all of my most important relationships are navigated online. So I think the, the stigma about that has gone more away. But what I would say is it doesn't change the percentages of people that you're compatible with it just opens up a whole new pool to check out. So if I don't know what, if you're only compatible with like 3% of people, I don't know what the math is, whatever the, the small amount of people that you would have like a good fit with to, to date or to even to marry, um, the same percentage is true on the internet. So you're going to have to go through like a lot of no thank yous <laughs> to find the few, oh, that looks like someone I might have some things in common with. So I think, but what you do when you walk into a room with real live people, you've done the same scan. You've come into the church event or the party or whatever, and you've done a quick, you, you, we all do it. You do the scan to see like, is there anyone who's kind of cute or might be single or my age? Or I don't know, whatever. You do the scan. And in your mind, you've said no, 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 yes, no, no, no. But the problem with online dating is you have to physically swipe and say yes or no. And it just feels awful because you feel like a judgy person or just like you feel bad about yourself, or I mean, there's lots of dynamics to that. So I'm acknowledging that it's not great, but if you feel like in your day-to-day -day life, and certainly right now when no one's going anywhere, um, but in normal, you know, in kind of our normal life, if you feel like you don't often have opportunities to meet new people, um, one of the places you could consider how to meet new people, just open your social circle a little bit, um, would be online. 
and I would encourage people to check it out. Um, but at the same time, the percentages are going to be the same, you know, the three or four or five or 2% or whatever it is. Most people you won't be compatible with there either. Um, but it's a whole new group of people that you've never met. And if you feel like you work with the same people, you hang out with the same people, you go to church with the same people, then online is, is a different group um, that maybe you haven't met yet. And so I'd encourage people to try. And, um, you know, if you have some friends you can do it with, I, I, uh, I do, I have a few friends that we like commiserate together or like if we met someone and it seems like something good, we're like, you screenshot it. Look guys, this guy seems like, He's not a loser. <laughs> Look, he doesn't live with his mom still. This is great. <laughs> it's fine if you live with your mom. It was just an example. So anyways, uh, I think, um, you know, if you can have some, some company while you do it with other, other friends who are also doing it, it makes you feel um, a little bit more encouraged along the way. And, you know, safety things like if you go on a date, you should tell some people where you're going and those kind of things. Awesome. Thank you very, very much for all these um, really helpful things. It's good. Um, a lady, uh, I mean, it hasn't has worked just... for me yet. So you know, all of this, but you, know, you here's I... the other thing I, 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 I learned this in when I, I was trained in how to find a job and I say the same thing in dating. You need to tell people in your life that you're looking for somebody. You don't have to be weird about it, but like if there are people who know and love you, it's okay for you to say, Hey, like, like, hey, Vanessa, you know me and you like me, you know, I'm not crazy, you know, I'm a, like a nice person and I got some good stuff going for me, but you know different people than me. I wonder if you might think of anybody in your circles who you might want to introduce me to. Um, you know, it's a, another way to go about it, to open your own circles by telling trusted people who know other people that you're, that you're open to their recommendations. Um, in the same way, that's how most people find jobs or, you know, lots of other things in life. It's how we, you know, we connect through networks. So every person is a whole network of people that you don't know. And if you have some trust with them, I encourage you to share with them if you're interested in dating. Um, if, I mean, and some people aren't interested in dating, but if you are interested in dating, I encourage you to, to share with people that you trust because they might, they might think of somebody who you've never met. Just nuggets, nuggets of gold. Um, so I think that's, that's it. We're wrapping up. We're coming close to the end of our, our hour. And I just appreciate so much what you're telling us and the insight you're giving us, um, Joanna. And I just have a couple little, um, housekeeping things for our gather people out there. So I just want to let you know that uh, coming up this Thursday, uh, Kathy, our catalyst is going to be talking to us about being in the middle of this, the midst of this. So the space that you found this uh, Zoom link on um, is True Conversations 2020 on Facebook. And on Thursday, you come back and join us. It's 12 o'clock Eastern time. And every day, every time we do this, the strategies are amazing and they are practical and they're applicable. Um, and I think one of the things that women's ministry often gets labeled with, and I mean, I've, I've labeled it with that is fluff. And these things are not fluff, ladies. So don't be... Um, don't be cautious. It does happen at noon. And I realize that lots of people are, are working during the day, uh, but some of us are stuck <laughs> at home. And so anyway, Tuesdays, Thursday. So next Thursday, we, uh, Tuesday, we have something on shame, um, Enneagram and empathy. And then the Thursday following that money management. And then we have a bonus one coming up next. Um, I think it's Tuesday as well on family matters. Um, 
But I think like something that Joanna's told us is that regardless of our relational status, um, knowing how to operate and knowing how to build community within uh, families is important. And so there's some, some cool tips and strategies there for you. Also, we have something coming up May 22nd and 23rd, a true conference. And Kathy can probably even give us a little bit there uh, in a second, but Caitlin's just added it. Thank you, Caitlin, to the conversation, to the chat. Um, tickets are on sale. Uh, you can grab them online and you guys, this is a national thing. It's, I think it's like the first time we've ever done anything like this in Canada. And so it's so cool to be a part of that. And again, amazing speakers, lots of strategies, lots of meat to chew on. Uh, and it's all coming from Gather Women. So if this, if Gather's new to you, uh, we have a website, gatherwomen.com, Instagram at Gather Women, Facebook, uh, you can find all kinds of stuff out there. And I think that's it. If I've forgotten something, Kathy, can you fill in the gap? <laughs> Well, Vanessa, I'm going to pop in here and then I'm going to let you close. Is that okay? Yeah. So um, we've had so many guys and men ask if there is gather men. So I'm thinking maybe we need to start that in that way, <laughs> create a new pool. But I did want to declare something. I did want to say this, like without hesitation, that my own personal view, yes, I am married. Yes, yes, yes. But that the church hasn't yet accommodated, you know, the changing environment. So first of all, you know, the ratio of two to one women to men, but also that the women's narrative is not equally represented in the church. So even sitting, you know, Sunday after Sunday, the narrative that we're receiving is maybe not our story all of the time. And so there's so much room for those of you with voice and with anointing and to build that and bring your voices into the church, but also that, um, your the demographic of women that are not married is not honored in the way it should be and in some way accommodated and that invitation to belong is there so while we're getting our game on and we're becoming smarter and wiser and rising up you know the church is doing their work and I think I do believe yes like the guys have to be doing their work as well so that we have this equally balanced triangle but I know on behalf of gather women on behalf of me I know that um there is a lot of space that we can step into that where there are opportunities and we don't diminish the man in any way, but we say, wow, there's all this open space for our voices, for our presence. And like to Joanna's point, like invite yourself into something. Don't wait to be invited and just do it in a, in, you know, present your voice and what you could offer to your space with grace and skill and truth, because I think sometimes the leaders, if they are pastoring uh, either traditionally or they are more men than women, they won't hear it unless we are in that space, just raising our hand and saying, you know, we're here because God has given us, you know, this equal voice and strength in this space. So I just affirm your message to us, jo Joanna. I just, I'd love to see your trajectory to hear and I'm believing for what will open, you know, even now, like in this conversation, I think something has been, I don't know if you all agree with me, something has been sort of unleashed in a way, and I feel like there's going to be more. So I just want to say thank you to you. And Joanna's going to be at True Conference a couple times speaking there. And I'm just so excited because she's going to be speaking about YOLO, you only live once. So come for that for sure. But also some strategies for like business entrepreneurship in the digital age. It's going to be amazing. So 
be sure um, that you join us there. I'm going to let Vanessa uh, finish this off and take us home. What an amazing hour together, girls. Thank you so much for being online with us and Joanna for your voice, as Kathy just said. And I, what we, do, what we often do with these true conversations is jump over to the Facebook closed group because just even being a closed group there is a really safe place to keep this conversation going where maybe, Joanna, you will post something and then a lot of you have written great resource and um, and that, again, is amazing to just know. And I've got a few um, great voices that speak into this um, around singleness as well as leaders in the church. And so I'll pop some resource on there too. But I actually just really sensed to close out tonight. I had actually posted on Facebook yesterday. It was a Bible reading of mine in numbers about a woman well, Miriam quarantined, like we would have thought, right? The word quarantine is in the message translation. And I just want to read it because I literally just posted and the thought I had was, um, I actually just wrote, Hey, I wanted to let you know something. You won't be left behind when we all come out of this current reality. And I just want to acknowledge that Joanne just said, Joanne just said like, this reality could even be heightening, um, bringing to the surface fears, how much longer and the aloneness that is actually happening for so many of you, even living on your own, um, celebrations that you're having to do on your own, um, you know, in, without the family unit around. And so, um, numbers 12 just says, God answered Moses, um, quarantine her outside the camp for seven days so she needed a quarantine but um she will be readmitted and um it says this the people did not march on until she was readmitted and only then did the people march on and set up camp in the wilderness and move towards the promised land and I just have this sense for some of you that feel like life is moving on not just in quarantine but in just you not the not yet of your season as some people like to like Joanna said some people say of your season there is just um a company of people around you that are not moving on we're all on this journey together and it's not one day when for you and there's just this sense you're not left behind. You are so the right person in the right place at the right time for so many of us. And um, I just want to speak that over you and believe God that even in COVID-19-20, that God is still in absolute control and he is good, as Joanna said. So we love you. And your voice is so strong and so needed in this season. And Joanna, you have absolutely opened up a conversation for the global church. And I don't know who's having it and where, but we're going to keep finding out. But just what an honor for Gather to be um, stewarding this moment with you and your voice as well. And so let's jump over to the Facebook group and keep the conversation going. And we cannot wait to hear from you at um, true conference in just a few weeks time. So, um, yeah, can I pray for you? Actually, can I ask you, Joanna, to pray for the girls? Is that okay to pray for everyone online tonight? Yeah. God, we thank you for this time. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a good dad. I ask for my sisters who aren't sure if you are, 
um, that you would remind them of your loving kindness and it, your mercies that never fail, um, that it would renew every morning, uh, that every tear we cry, you see and you know and you care about, that you are acquainted with sorrow and you know it. Um, so for whatever the pain is of our our season of our life right now, God, we just, we, we, we do offer it to you tonight and we, we ask you to carry us and we ask you to, um, by your spirit, help us to keep praying, make us women of prayer who are persistent in pursuit of you. Uh, We ask God that you would raise up men and women who look like you, disciples of you. Um, following after the life of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit as sons and daughters, um, and that that identity would help them um, lead and serve in your world. And also, you know, we do pray that that um, uh, you would um, you would do what you will with our lives, uh, whether that be married or single, mothers or not. Uh, that we just continue to offer ourselves back to you and trust you with it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. A Zoom room clap for Joanna. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it so much. Guys, the privilege to hang. Okay. Was that not just the most incredible conversation? So much truth, so much realness. Joanna, thank you so much for your time, for your voice, for what you have to offer this conversation. And I do believe this is not the end of this conversation. And for every girl listening to this podcast this week, I pray that you received the prayer. We prayed over you the blessing of God. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. His plans and his purposes for you are good, for your good and for his glory. And so we love you and we'd love to know you and know your story and know how this impacted you, just this teaching today on this episode. So please connect with us and let us know how we can be standing with you, celebrating you, pouring courage into you in this season. And don't forget, girls, go ahead, register right now. Like literally do not end this podcast episode without going to gatherwomen.com and registering for our true conference online. We cannot wait to host you and hear um, with you what God is saying to the women of our nation. We love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations. And to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.